762, a man jumped to the moon. In 491, Galileo made the sun. In 1287, was the first ever Kevin. In 1919, Martin Sheen became queen. Something's after going on. What's the crack with this thing? All kinds of carry-on. Look what's after happening. Hello and welcome back to Look What's After Happening. The history podcast that takes a look at the mystery of history. Uh, my name is Colin Spress. That's very good. That is very good. <laughs> Do you like that? Have you been working on that? <laughs> I I wanted did that or did that just come off the dome right there? Well, that did actually come off the dome, but I yeah, yeah I liked it. I like there was a pause, and I was just thinking, gosh, we th- should think of something to say at the start. Yeah, and uh, then straight away you said something that was better than anything we could have written. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. So you like it because sometimes when I bring things to the um, the brainstorming sessions that we have, because we have a couple of them a week about this podcast, um, about this podcast and about other things, well, just in general, just sort just of about the world, philosophical questions. Yes. You know, um, so I sometimes I feel as though, and it's not because of anything you say. It might be just my own imposter syndrome, but I feel like some of the things I bring to the table aren't the aren't the you best. have. Um, Imposter, imposter syndrome, don't you? I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't think my imposter kind of syndrome up on the- is good enough to count as imposter syndrome. Yes, so I'm, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I find that very, uh, very difficult because I know there are people who really struggle with imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I feel... You worry that someday you're going to be found out that your imposter syndrome isn't yeah. proper imposter syndrome. Well, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I know there are people who go to groups and meetings and, uh, you know, struggle with it on a daily basis. But I only, it only hits me really. You don't go to those meetings because you'd worry they'd turn around and look at you and everyone would just be sitting there looking at you like (laughs) and shaking their heads like you don't have a proper imposter syndrome. That's exactly it. I would feel as though I would be the black sheep in the imposter syndrome uh, anonymous meetings. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what that says about me. Probably... That I don't have imposter syndrome, I would say. You know, if I feel like I would be an imposter in an imposter syndrome space, that means I'm not an imposter, doesn't it? My enemy's enemy, is it? Yeah. Kind of, it's gone back on itself. Exactly. So you're so unsure about yourself that you're actually sure about yourself now. In a strange way, it gives me a sense of, yeah. a keen <laughs> sense of who I am. Because I, I don't really know who I am, but that is now my identity. So, and I, I feel that that, bubbles up every time we have one of our sessions, one of our brainstorming sessions. Uh, I feel like, oh, some of the things I bring to the table maybe aren't the best. Like when I suggested we should should send people um, kind of novelty cheeses as part of our merchandise. Yeah, I mean, I I keep saying like this, I I love this idea Mm. and I think we should go through with it. Maybe not uh, the rat cheese. Well, yeah, because... I mean, principally because, you know, we're in low supply of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've you kept some in the glove box uh, of your uh, my truck. of your truck. Yeah. But um, how much how much could we give out? Well, not enough. I would. Yeah. And you're, you're right in that, because I think that uh, we didn't have the, the rat's cheese. As some people probably figured out, it wasn't really packaged super well, so it didn't end up being lovely little easy single slices or anything. It was really that they just, they'd made a huge pile of kind of cheese. 
Yeah. And uh, it didn't keep very well because it didn't really have a refrigeration system. Possibly, possibly not self-conscious. We're not really sure. It seemed <laughs> like it had a will of its own. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly felt pain. Yeah, yeah it would re- recoil from fire and stuff like that. <laughs> it definitely showed some elements of a nervous system. Yeah. Um, but one time it, it, it made a break for it and <laughs> was halfway down the nace dual carriageway. It did. It did, yeah. yeah. It was heading towards, because um, it was a big ball at that stage, it was heading towards the big yeah. asphalt ball. I think it must yes, have thought that work of art with all the um, yeah all the sort of road lines on the road yeah, and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I I have a feeling that it just gravitated towards that it must have imprinted God, on it that, or something I hope that ball isn't one of those I hope that uh, work of art ball isn't actually one of those cheese balls that came to life and then got that far and then was kind of stuck there and they were like well just paint a whole load of lines on it we'll pretend it's a work of art well it might have been that um i hope and pray that that's i hope good. so too i'm about like it might be that it was a big ball of molten cheese and it was getting away as they were building that that bypass and what it did was it just sort of snowballed all of the road up onto it oh gosh. and it got as far as that and then it just sort of gave out that might be what yeah. happened that that big ball well, i hope not well, I hope, I hope not. not to, because that would be an awfully yeah. sad way to um, exist yeah, as, yeah. A, as a ball of cheese. I hope, I hope it didn't get frozen there and just, and is now in a state of like half life where it's yeah. just staring at the world, driving past it and thinking, oh, I wish I was out there living life as a giant ball of cheese. Yeah. Or worse, wishing for death, which it could be as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it does, it does make me think that if it is a giant cheese ball, um, that's a hell of a pinata. So if you were able to crack that open, um, oh, you reckon it's hollow inside? Well, I know I oh, reckon no, it's made the, of cheese. The, the, in the, the asphalt, yeah, yeah outside so f- is yeah, yeah, like like a big um, like a Ferrero Rocher of asphalt and cheese. So if you were to crack that open, and in the middle, you have a delicious kind of nougaty center of kind of molten mozzarella cheese. Oh, gosh, it, I mean, it's so big. It, I mean, it, yeah, it'd feed an entire town, really, wouldn't it? But it would also like if you crack that open. Stand back. Oh, run. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're, you don't want to get caught up in that. No, no, no. As as is what happened with the cheese that came. Yeah. Well, I mean. Came out of you. Came out of me. <laughs> well, we aren't sure about that. You, you recall? <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. That it was. Uh, I woke up and it, I had been. Uh, in like a way, scraped. it was your child. <laughs> and milked or something, hadn't I? I'd been milked. Yeah, possibly you had been milked yeah. uh, by the rats to make the rat cheese. Yeah. Um, which became. <laughs> in a way, it was my child. Conscious. That's probably yeah. why I felt. I felt a real paternal care for it. And that's why, um, you know, when it recoiled from fire, I made sure not to use my uh, my big giant torches to get around in the dark anymore. Uh, I yeah. used flashlights and uh, it recoiled from electricity as well. So I also, I used to obviously not, uh, you know, use any of the light switches near it. But also what I started to do with the giant cheese ball was when there was ever some sort of a storm, I put a little blanket around the cheese ball, make it feel safe. You know, so just so any lightning, any of those loud noises or whatever didn't scare my yeah. my big cheese ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And where is it now? Oh, well, we've eaten it now. Uh, at this point, we, <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I put it in the back. I said I wouldn't, but I put it in the back of the truck. And sure, yeah. when you're driving back and forth between, you know, Dublin and Galway and you're, uh, you keep getting called back to Dublin by your uh, boss, uh, Mucker, you mm-hmm. know, you get hungry. And I wasn't getting paid just enough to stop in for the cheese. Yeah, I just whacked yeah. into the cheese. Yeah, I had the one of those little yeah. windows between the cab and the and the truck, and I just just reach behind me and and whip off a little, like a handful, a fistful of cheese, yeah. and just. So there's only a small amount now left in your glove box. That's all there is, and honestly, it's yeah. uh, it's not enough to send out to people, I suppose. Yeah, mystery of history is what I what I came up with straight off the top of the noggin there, um, and I, I I'm glad you liked it. So that's something we could maybe never reference again. <laughs> if we remember it next time sure why not uh, we we will we might include it who knows who knows well it'll be your turn yeah. to do the intro next time so we'll see that'll be the real test that'll be the proof of the pudding there now yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I'm not going to write it down we watched sure because we, we want to test it well everything, test that, it everything that said yeah. we recorded into our heads yes this is one of your philosophical uh, brainstorms that you came up with what was it last Wednesday yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that's said goes into our heads. Most of your philosophies rhyme, don't they? Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, everything you've gone through turns blue is what it was one of my other ones that we proved was not yeah. true. No. Uh, well, I mean, maybe in an abstract kind of way, but literally, uh, you know, you could say that, well, memories of the past, you know, they're always tinged with sadness, which you could call blue, but you running through that wall to see if it would turn blue that didn't work out at all no 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 i mean i ended up being black and blue. you were black and blue yeah yeah Yeah. but the wall was if anything just a little bit more red (laughs) (laughs) yeah just a just a kind of radial splatter pattern your eyesight you could only see the color blue for like six hours yeah 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 yeah. well one of my eyes anyway the other one knocked off completely and it, it came back a few days later but uh one of the other ones, all I could see was just a deep shade of kind of coral blue. That's all I could see. Yeah. yeah. It was like uh, you put on those 3D glasses and just looking at the blue one. The old 3D glasses which are with a blue and a red lens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The ones you get yeah. free in like cornflakes and stuff. Yeah. You used to get them free. There used to be some kind of rudimentary 3D effect on the back, which was essentially, it used to be just Coco the monkey from Coco Pops. And it was just in blue and in red. He's called Coco. Is he Coco the monkey? I don't know, but I, you know, I have no idea what his name is, but that makes it sound like those are his shits. <laughs> Cocoa Pops. <laughs> if they named the monkey Coco and here a bunch of Cocoa Pops. Yeah. Those are his shits. Do you think so? Or maybe they're his kids. <laughs> it's Cocoa Pops. Coco, Coco's the Pops of these little. Well, that would, no, then they would be his father. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, listen, it's worked out for them. Uh, oh god it has So fair play to Cocoa Pops Definitely worked out better for them than it has Choco Flakes Yeah what, what was wrong with Choco Flakes? Ah they were just a poor imitation They were trying to smash together Corn Flakes and Frosties and uh, and Cocoa Pops Just didn't work People didn't want it But you can you can listen to our um, bonus episode Where we talk We go fully into Choco yeah. Flakes Why so cereal? You can check that out. Um, but anyway, Killian, you've had a bit of a, an up and down week. I think it's fair to say. Um, you know, mm. you you started the week on on quite of a quite a high after getting some good news, but it turned out it wasn't what it seemed. Yes, um, are you're referring to uh, the uh, uh, the big fire? 
I, I well, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you rang me in in uh, like hysterics, like not hysterics, delight on Monday when you got this news. Yes, delightful hysterics. I was losing my mind. Uh, I wasn't talking any sense. I couldn't believe it. So great, such great news. Uh, I found out that um, <clears throat> I had been selected to have the biggest bonfire in Ireland. Oh, yes, that's right. It's by the Demonic Society. They do this every year. They pick one yes. person that is allowed to burn the bonfire where you do your ritual. Yes, we actually get uh, we get last year's bonfire and we kind of give it a uh, a burial. Oh, lovely. Uh, by, by sticking it on top of another bonfire yeah. and burning it. Like, you know, you might do with a Viking, but instead it's just a bonfire that we're burying. And you're, by burying it, you mean cremating it? Yes. I mean, we would uh, do this whole thing underground. Well, you, I mean, Jesus, yeah, you would, if you could. You would, if you if you could, but it's impossible. So we just do it out in the garden. Uh, and... Um, so yeah, you you know we we get last year's bonfire or what's what's left of it. Someone's been keeping it like a uh, like an Olympic torch. Oh God, like no, they I keep wish. It lit. Like a like a uh, favorite horse. Like a f- <laughs> <laughs> so they take the pieces of last year's bonfire. Yeah. and they they stick it in. Uh, you know stables. you kind of have to uh, lash it together like a horse. Stick it in stables. You feed yeah. it. Pretend to feed it every day. Sure. Uh, take it for walks. Bring the local children on on sort of uh, little pony rides every weekend on the back of this bonfire. Yeah, doesn't go far, but um, no, they they get a bit of a thrill out of it anyway. Um, to do, yeah. It's like, um, do you know when you've seen like a video online of like someone does a roller coaster, like a great dad and he does a roller coaster where he gets a video of a roller coaster, then puts the kid in like a washing basket and yeah. then goes, woo, swish, 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 swish around the place. Uh, it's like that, except you stick the kids up on the, uh, the big horse and just kick it over. Well... <laughs> Um, and they're like, and oh, I feel like I'm going fast. You are, you are, you are going fast. You're going fast straight onto the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's kind of... And then you, sh- you, sh- you, sh- you, shoot the, you shoot the wooden horse in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> to teach them about the, the fickleness of life. And, yeah, uh, and this is how we deal with horses when they fall over in a race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you scream at the child to look me right in the eyes as I do this type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah, both yeah. staring at each other. So you'll miss the horse once or twice. <laughs> but eventually you'll hit it and you'll know that crunch yeah. of the bonfire wood. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Come here, you with the the roller coaster um, and the the basket. You used to do that with your own mother, isn't that right? You used to sort of pretend that she was on a roller coaster, yes, and that's how well. That's how in reverse. In reverse. Yeah, you know, if you break, <laughs> you used to put her in a roller coaster and then show her a video of a washing basket. <laughs> <laughs> washing basket, yeah, and because uh, she, she didn't like she 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 didn't like the idea of roller coasters. I sure. I really wanted to go on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get a TV. Uh, you know, I mean, this is back in the day when it would be a, a massive. Uh, you know, well, it would be like a, a cathode ray tube yeah. TV. But uh, I stick it up close to her head, yeah, and uh, and then away we go on the roller coaster. And you sure you know, you'd have to lay out so much cable uh, <laughs> to, to get it plugged in and to get the like the the the, the signal from the VCR, yeah, um, <laughs> which you wouldn't bring with you. You'd leave that at home, is it? Well, I wouldn't leave it at home, but I leave it in the control station for the thing. So, oh, I see. so you know, yeah, uh, the 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 uh, cable would run uh, along the length of the um, of the roller coaster, and I'd say sit there now, 
mum and or is it granny was a mother it was your mum it was my mother well, of course, it went to, yeah. did you used to bring your granny as well before uh, she passed well I would get confused yeah. because um, they're very similar in age well they're similar in age but also they used to play a trick on me where they would one would pretend to be the other by sticking a TV in front of me so I would be looking at my grandmother <laughs> but my mother would be behind the TV <laughs> and I would think oh yeah this is my grandmother away I go I'm feeling like it's my grandmother but really it's my mother with the TV in front of her face yeah. and, and uh, come here um, to what end? <laughs> To what end? To I mean, that end? is that is pretty did much your, the uh, did your mother pretend she was your family motto? Is to what end? <laughs> to what end? Which of those? Which of the segments of that? <laughs> well, I I think there was some logic in in why you, I wanted to go on a roller. Coaster. You wanted to go on a roller that coaster. Makes sense. Gra- uh, mother didn't want to go. So your so mother. She just watched the washing. Now, to what end was she watching uh, just a load of washing? No, no, not even we'll that. Never know. Uh, to what end to was what your end? mother wearing, making you think that she was her mother? Yeah. Your grandmother. Uh, very simple. Um, they, you know, I, I would ask for confirmation of things. And they, you know, like, oh, I- do I really have to go to bed now? And she mm. say, well, ask your grandmother. Oh, I see, I see. And okay, she say, now go around the house now and go in the other door. Yeah. And your grandmother will be there and she'll tell you what time to go to bed. <laughs> and <laughs> Do a lap around the house and your grandmother will be Do a lap around here. the house, yeah, because I didn't understand. I, it's, you know, it's a big house. And so yeah. I would, I, it took me quite a while to get uh, to grips with the geography of the, of the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Partially because my mother would pretend that... There was another house on the other side that was my grandmother's house, but it was really, it was... Just a TV um, on your face? Just a TV on her face with an image of my grandmother. uh, And the image of the grandmother would be like, yeah, go to bed. And it it was probably, it must have been something that um, they recorded with your grandmother before she passed. So it it was obviously a fair bit of work had gone into it. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't ill. No. So it was, uh, there was a bit of an emergency situation when my grandmother passed away. Yeah, yeah, she... She was on a runaway train, wasn't it? She was on a runaway train. Um, She got stuck on a... um, (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the the, uh, model railway that used to be in Marley Park? Oh, yes. The the small, it's about... um, The very small Probably about eight or ten feet long, but like half a foot tall type thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the track probably 100 metres. Yeah. And uh, she got stuck on that one night. Jesus. And couldn't... They after couldn't, a few too many sherries. After a few too many sherries, she was on it for eight hours straight, uh, just whizzing round and round. Oh, fuck. And... Um, so your mum headed out there with the video camera and said, listen, before you toddle off, well, yeah, I need you to record a couple of things for little Killian. Yeah, she was like, oh God, I feel awful. She was like, well, listen... Before you, yeah, we need to, let's just get these on record. She had the script uh, done pretty fast. Right. Um, so, so, and so when you were. A couple of rewrites, but, but, uh, but, you know, (laughs) then they were in, they were like, okay, and action. Uh, It was Neil Jordan's first film. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. Um, Yeah. So, well, just then it's very interesting. So what happened was, so you'd look at your mum and she'd be wearing the TV of, of your grandmother and it would just be a shot of your grandmother whizzing by on a train, screaming, go to bed! Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And, uh, and that fooled you. Like oh, yeah, that's her. All right. I recognize her. Mm. Okay. Because that's the way she always looked. And that's the way she always sounded. She always sort of tapered off towards the end of her sentences as she was whizzing a, by. A real Doppler shift woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the only humans to exhibit the Doppler effect in her normal kind of everyday conversation. So Ooh. I was selected for the bonfire. That was the good news. I was in hysterics about that. <laughs> Bad news was, couldn't get it lit. <laughs> so just to sum that up. Yeah, it just, up and down just to put me. a button on that. Well, speaking of wandering, um, we yeah. are, today we're delving into a war that may not be as well publicized as some of the bigger wars and the more impactful wars. But this is no. a war that started because... Wouldn't one, even be top five for most people. no. But I, I would consider it in my top 10, I have to say, if I was to go back through my wars. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. I love it. It's a fascinating war. Incredible. But it did start because one country wandered into another country. Yeah. They they never thought it would happen because they're so far from each other. Yeah. Uh, but they got very lost. I mean, it's, of course, the, the war we're talking about is the Battle of the Drift. Yes. Uh, it was uh, a war that was a battle. Uh, it it was between <laughs> France and Australia. Yeah. And this is probably why it hasn't um, been so well documented, because these are two countries that haven't really been opposed too many times throughout history. But no, um, no there was a, a violent animosity between Australia and, and France uh, just for that just for that six year period. In the yeah. mid-1800s. Do you know uh, when you have a relationship with somebody that you kind of know, you don't know that well, but like you kind of seem to not like each other partially because you think the other one doesn't like you? Yeah, I do. You're I like, do. things are weird between myself and himself. And I think it's because we both think that the other one doesn't like us. Yes. And then it's confirmation bias, isn't it? So every little microaggression that you perceive you yeah. blow it up into something bigger than it was. And yeah. um, what happened was an abandoned ship that had the emblems of Australia drifted uh, up the River Seine. Yeah. And for for France, anyway, that was the uh, straw that broke the camel's back. And they went full offensive yes. on, on Australia from that point on. Full offensive on the ship first. They absolutely laid into that ship. Oh, God, yeah. And it was, it started, it was very much a war of the people. It started off with people just sort of throwing stones at it. Just taking uh, digs at it. Oh, is it, sw- yeah. If it was going under a bridge or something, because it was a small enough ship. Do you know, it was really yeah. just sort of a tugboat. People would just kind of punch it in the hull. Yeah. Uh, or try and kick it below the water line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, give it like a nipple cripple wherever the nipples were on a yeah. ship. A One ship fella got it in a headlock. Cripple. Just at the very, uh, the the uh, pointy end of the bow, he just kind of wrapped his arm around it and was trying to lead it yes. uh, around the place. Yes. And but his legs were just swinging down below it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like the, I mean, he might have been, no, he wasn't because it was the 1850s. I was going to say he might have been one of the first kind of mermaids on the fir- on the front of a, a ship, but that that isn't, that wouldn't really ring true. No, uh, no, he did fall in love with that mermaid, though, uh, that was on the front of the ship. Uh, and they successfully had three children and no one is sure how that happened. No one is. No. So that, the, the man, of course, on who, who put the headlock on it was um, sort of famed local Pierre wrestler. Pierre Duguerre. 
Pierre de Guerre, um, so Peter of War, and he um, he was uh, a local wrestler. He he had his uh, his mask and his singlet on when he uh, when he tackled the the boat, and uh, yeah, he found a real connection. Like he, he didn't intend to stay on the boat as long as he did, but as soon as he swung his arm around the front of that ship, and he locked eyes with Esmeralda, the hmm. uh, the wooden, fairly crudely hewn mermaid on the front of this little tugboat. Yeah. He fell in love. Yeah. Australians were famous for their crudely hewn carvings. Oh, yeah. French, they loved uh, a fancy carving. Statue mm. of Liberty, you know? Beautiful Looks carving. Great. Beautiful great, carving, yeah. Great work. Carved right uh, out of yeah. bronze. The Australians sent a similar statue to France. Uh, it was an obelisk. It was, yeah, just a lump uh, with, <laughs> with like, a big rectangle. Big rectangle with like kind of a face, but like <laughs> it looked like it was like looked like a pepperami. Do you know that pepperami character who's who's the uh, kind of mad? It's a long sausage with a with a crazy eyes and a mad set of lips a on. Cross him. between the pepperami character and uh, that fella who dies in the, like the radioactive material at the end of RoboCop, or maybe it's RoboCop too. Just a kind of warped, uh, melting face. Yeah. And Australians were so proud. They were like, listen, the French are going to love us for this. Jesus, it was their best work. It was the first their time best, they, they'd the exported it. They're like, this is so yeah. good. Other countries time, need to see it. First time they did it. First yeah. time they exported it. <laughs> they were like, this is our first attempt. And we have hit the nail on the head. They did. And, and yeah. th- that's what started all of this is that uh, they sent this off thinking it would be a compliment, thinking it was going to be extending the hand of... Uh, friendship across yeah. to France but France took it as an insult yeah I mean that hand just looked like the, the hand of friendship that was coming out of the statue <laughs> it looked like it was giving the finger but also yeah. uh, like giving a kind of uh, you know wanker motion yeah 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 both at the same time yeah both depending on the angle like one of those paintings that the eyes follow you around the room depending on the angle of it it was a a wanker sign or it was if it's given you the finger um and you know combined with the the lunatic face of a pepperami on top Mm. i mean it just it made for quite an aggressive symbol they were like everybody loves pepperami like this is this is and but France not interested in a pepperami at all. No, well, sure. I mean, France would be more interested in in fine cuisine. Yeah. You know, like a pepperami is very much a processed food that hadn't been invented yet. Um, certainly, decades and centuries really before uh, the the pepperami man was conceived. So uh, mm. that you know, they'd no real the, reference yes. points for it. So the really, famous pepperami man. Half pepperoni, half man. Uh, Like a centaur. It was kind of a side project uh, of one of the fellas who was doing the Dolly Dolly the Sheep. Uh, They managed to clone a pepperoni and a man. And uh, France loved him. But anyway, so yeah, so that that was kind of what happened. So over, you know, it was in the 40s, 1840s, Australia were, fuck, they were proud as punch of this monstrosity they had birthed. Some sort of Frankenstein... (laughs) Uh, monument to a meat stick man 
and yeah. uh, said, you know who's going to love this now? France. And that was carved underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was in the stone underneath. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kind of Frankenstein monument meat man. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the label and sent it off to the French. Without so much a note. Like, without so much as a note. Yeah. Wrapped up, though. So they did, you know, they it was brought into the centre of Paris. They're like, oh, something's come from Australia. Everybody gather round. And yeah. out came... How came the ma- the monster pepperami man? Yeah, with his uh, wanker sign, yeah. and uh, the French were furious. Yeah, furious and confused because there was also a couple of stowaways uh, on the pepperami man. A couple of people who were trying to get out of the country and trying to set sail to the new world. They had just sort of climbed up into the the buttocks of the pepperami man, which of all the pieces of the the monument, the buttocks were the best constructed. They had uh, a fulsome um, round set of buttocks and most of the internals. Yeah, yeah, you could could climb all the way in there and get a good anatomy lesson. But uh, the French weren't interested in that kind of thing. No, they weren't, no. So the two two stowaways, of course, died because it took them months to transport that giant pepperami man. So they dragged it right in the centre of Paris. Um, the, The mayor of Paris whipped off the covering, the kind of giant curtain that had been on it. And uh, as it dropped, the shock that had sort of rippled across the public of Paris and then out dropped two men dressed like Frenchmen out of the arse of yeah. the Pepperami Man. Yeah. And onto the mayor. On killed him stone dead. So when the boat drifted up the Seine... A year, uh, a few years later, yeah. that was, that was it. That was you it. Know, they were yeah. done with it. Now, why was the boat empty? These are, this is one of the questions. And this is actually where it links back to our new tagline at the start of the episode, which is the mystery of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is one of the big questions sort of has had stumped some of the French people at the time. Now, some people are of the opinion that this was a ghost ship sent from uh, Sydney uh, in order to strike fear into the heart of their mortal enemies uh, the French others consider that uh, actually what had happened was um, the tugboat had just sort of landed further up the river Seine and it had got loose yeah we're not sure in order for the ghost ship idea to work out mm-hmm. um if it's an unmanned ship it's not very likely to just find its way around the world uh, go to France and just wander <laughs> up the Seine. So they would have needed to have launched maybe a thousand, maybe five thousand ships uh, on a, in a kind of scattergun approach, uh, yeah. hoping that one of them uh, landed in France. Yeah, because it would be a very poor plan if they just sort of let one go um, yeah. and it would hopefully drift you know, like a message in a bottle. It's never going to land where you want it to. No, no, no. And, uh, you know, while the second option, the fact that there was, you know, a bunch of Australians in the town of Biarritz, um, just further down the Seine, and they had arrived by boat and their boat had drifted loose. Yeah, they were like, they came into the centre of Paris and were like, where's our boat? <laughs> we lost our boat. <laughs> so that is some corroborating evidence for that. That is. But... Uh, oh my God, that man over there is humping... <laughs> the uh, poorly uh, carved mermaid from the oh, uh, yeah. front Pierre of the... Oh, Pierre de Guerre. He wasted yeah. no time in consummating that marriage. Like he, um, the first village he saw 
as he drifted up the Seine, he got a minister. He screamed for a minister to uh, to do the ceremony on the nearest bridge. And yeah. then by the time he pulled into Paris, he had the consummation had begun. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the Australians uh, said, hey, that fella's humping our boat. Yeah. Um, and uh, we want it back. And the French weren't going to give it back. Well, they weren't going to give it back because technically it was married to a Frenchman. And, uh, you know, then it became... It had already been given a passport. Already been given... Exactly, yeah. Oh, they were very quick back then. Um, Very officious. So this this was now a citizen of France that these Australians were trying to forcibly remove from the country. And that did not go down well at all. And that led to the, uh, the ripping of the scree. Yes, the ripping of the scree. Not much is known about it. <laughs> uh, so they wandered, so the boat wandered into Paris and that started off the war. Yeah. So where did the war take place? It took place in, um, mainly in France. And this is the weird thing about it, is that uh, Australia really had very little idea of what was going on. Uh, you know, they sent what they thought was a gift. Uh, they heard no response from France. Yeah. Uh, this, they, this they they sent a few more people to follow up on the gift. Yeah. Just be like, hey, we haven't heard back from France. Will you just go out there? And so one by one, Australians landed in France mm-hmm. and were and found themselves in the middle of a war that they were <laughs> taking part in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and they were you know, just drip feeding them in. And they were, for the most part, they were getting, you know, slaughtered. They were arriving, um, coming off a... Absolutely a, hammered. <laughs> slaughter drunk, yeah. <laughs> they were arriving, uh, you know, and, and like everybody would back then, I suppose, they would have a couple of pints on the... <laughs> Celebrate, you're in France, you're on you're holidays. in France, come off, have a, have sample some of the local wine. Um yeah. And uh, they, you know, they get locked. They they get hammer drunk, um, and then they call for reinforcements, and they'd come in in once. Yeah, the French they wouldn't understand the- them. You know, they'd ring them up. <laughs> they'd send a uh, <laughs> send a Morse code message yeah. uh, across the telegrams, mm. uh, uh, but it would all be slurred because they were drunk. So it would just oh, be yeah. garbled. Like send people, I love, mammy. And then you'd be like, okay, well, I guess they need more people to find out what happened about the statue. Send more lads. Yeah, send more people across. So there, it was the first, and not a lot of people know this, but it was the first trench war. Um, people think of the World War One as the first real trench war, and it was. Yeah. But this one also uh, had a trench briefly dug in uh, where Australians fell into a ditch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just outside. They they called it the Aussie Ditch, and it was just outside the pub. So uh, a way they would deal with some of the um, the more drunk uh, Australians in order to get rid of them and and cut them out of the fighting as quick as they could, they just had a narrow path that would come out of every pub, and on the left and right, kind of like a moat, there would just be a little ditch, and they'd have um, they'd have a little Australian flag in it. Yeah. And they'd have a couple of little cushions so that they didn't hurt themselves as they landed. And uh, many, many Australians actually just slept through a lot of the battles. They weren't, they weren't even aware they were taking part in battles. No. Uh, They would wake up to the sound of cannon fire Mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, knock that on the head, would you? 
Jesus, it's very early for that. Carry on. It's very early for that. Carry on. I didn't set an alarm clock. For a reason. Yeah, for a reason. I was absolutely hammered last night. Yeah. Would you just knock that out? Yeah. And um, yeah, so the French, but the French could not uh, win, even though they were fighting 20, 30 drunk Australians in a ditch. Yeah. They they <laughs> could not get it together to defeat these Australians. No. Well, I think it was it was due to the fact that all of the wars that had existed up until then had two parties that were interested in, in winning the war. And yeah. that there was tactics, strategy, yeah. and kind of a rules of engagement. But the Australians, by virtue of the fact that a lot of them had had a few pints, but also by the virtue of the fact that they didn't know they were fighting a war. They really didn't follow the standard practices yeah. that you would expect. So the French were, they were very obviously, they were just waiting for an attack. They would set yeah. up their trench. They were and like, they like, must have some tactics here. Yeah. There must be something going on. They, they're plotting something. Let's let's bide our time. Let's let's watch out for this now. Yeah. Watch, lads. This is going to be gather tricky. intel. You know, let's set out the board game of war. Let's set out all of our guys and, and position they, them. They, they created a, a kind of board game called War. Yeah, and they had to figure out the rules. You know, make different pieces, build a kind of league uh, where people would play War. Yeah, uh, and two principal uh, sides in war were of course France and Australia and people were just like looking to see okay what strategy would the Australians be using here yeah. what what strategy are the French using and um, and essentially it was it, it was similar to kind of like the, the game itself really took off because it was around oh yeah. the time like you know the, the only real board games at the time were kind of like chess maybe some checkers and then you know some card games and stuff so the the board game of war ended up being kind of a mishmash of a bunch of these different games would so really hit a, a like a, a zeitgeist moment for um the french people at that time so essentially it was like you would have if you were on the french side you would have 400 pieces and yeah. they'd be able to move in straight lines mm -hmm. and if you were the australians you would have 10 to 15 pieces and they could only move in diagonals and spits and spurts yeah. and uh they could disappear off the the board game at any point and and reappear anywhere else yeah and uh and it ended up being in real life as well in the game very often a draw very often a stalemate yes um australian pieces would just disappear off the board uh, they would lose interest in the game yeah. and uh, the French would just run round and round. And um, yeah, so so the championships, I mean, championships lasted for like five years before they figured out no one has ever won this game. This is this is an this endless is, game. This is an endless game and it's, it's an endless war. I think the Australians don't know that they're in a war. We should just go down, walk down there and just grab them by the shirt collars and heave them out of France. Yeah, and they tried that, um, yep. but they worked. ended up. Well, it did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it did work that it ended the war, but yeah. not in the way you might expect. So they tried yes. to, they, you know, they're they're shifting the the Australians to the ports. But by the time they got to the ports, uh, the Australians and the French were best of buds, yeah. and they, you know, they'd have uh, they'd have some food themselves, maybe a little bit of um, wine and cheese, and and say, uh, oh, these pepperamis aren't that bad actually. Now they're that actually I try not one, that bad. they're not that yeah. bad at all. So yeah. they ended up being best friends yeah and and that's how the war ended um france and australia have been best friends since then yeah they send each other uh texts every day 
They do. They do sleepovers when they can. When they can. When they can. uh, Life gets in the way. And, you know, after a while you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even talked to France in like six months. That's ridiculous. Yeah, of course. And uh, and listen, that's just the way of modern friendships as you grow up. You're just not as close as you'd like to be. Um, But the thing about France and Australia is they can meet up after a year or two and pick up right where they left off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Firm friends. Straight back to just drinking and eating pepperamis in a ditch. In a ditch full of cushions. Yeah. Um, And the final bit, I suppose, about that is that Pierre de Guerre, the man who fucked a boat and uh, sired three kind of half human, half wooden hell beasts was immortalized that scene became such a seminal moment i think for the people of of paris him at the front of the tugboat as it pushed its way up into the center of paris and he just holding on for dear life humping the front of it to life Mm -hmm. they built a very crudely created monument for pierre de guerre yeah uh and it stands uh in the basement of (laughs) Of the McDonald's. Of the McDonald's uh, just off the Champs-Élysées. Yes. So yeah. if you head down to the bathroom, it's on the left-hand side just before you hit the men's. Yeah, you'll get a bit of a fright. Huh? You will, because it's mostly it's, it's mostly arse, because all you can really see. Yeah, that's yeah. all that's still sticking out, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and that's the story of the war between France and Australia. That's it, yeah. The Battle of the Drift. The Battle of the Drift. Um, now, before we leave, is there any notifications we should give people... Colin Any notifications Yeah um, Like us on Facebook Why don't you yeah, Give us uh, a like Sure why not And uh, check us out On Instagram as well Tell your friends about it Tell people You don't know about it That's it And um, And if uh, If you can I think if you Will post about this um, But uh, We also have A bunch of Limited edition Look what's after happening Stickers That will have arrived by the time this goes out. And uh, yeah, if you if you're it is a bold promise. Let's see if that happens. But uh, no, it it should be. And uh, if you're interested in getting one of them, um, then just like and share this podcast, and we will pick uh, like five or ten people to send out uh, free stickers to. Probably on the basis of proximity to us. Probably on the basis of who is in the nearest five k, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. But until then, until then indeed, that's what's after happening. In 1162, a man jumped to the moon. In 491, Galileo made the zone. In 1287 was the first ever Kevin. In 1919, Martin Sheen became queen. Something's after going on. What's the crack with this thing? 